0: We come now this morning to Psalm 90. Uh, We're going to sing it, uh, at least a a paraphrase of it, from Isaac Watts in just a moment. Uh, The famous hymn, Our God, Our Help in Ages Past, Our Hope for Years to Come, Our Shelter from the Stormy Blast, and Our Eternal Home. Uh, What a great uh, hymn to sing uh, on the last day of the year as we look forward to 2018. But let us first hear God's word from Psalm 90. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength, eighty. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long. Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. May God bless the reading and hearing of His holy word to us today. What is home? Not where is home, but what is home? Everyone here can, of course, point to a place a physical address that is your home that you call home but what is it that makes that physical address home why do you consider it a home what makes it a home now certainly in our mobile transient times in which we live we are more likely to have called a number of different addresses home those of you who are in the military are certainly aware of that. Us in the ministry have experienced many moves as well. And people just generally move more uh, around the country, from nation to nation. There's more people living out of their home country now than ever. We move around. And we're more likely to have had many different addresses than our parents or our grandparents, and certainly more than our great-grandparents. I know a man whose grandfather never traveled more than 30 miles from the place where he was born. Can you imagine that in our day and time? Never traveling more than 30 miles from your home, from where you were born. And he lived in Wales. That's not a great place to be. (laughs) Sorry if you're Welsh. So I've probably been around to about 25 addresses in my life. But I called each one of them home. Why is that? What's the quality that it has? Is it because that's where your stuff is? A friend of ours had a small plaque that said, Home is where your toothbrush is. She was a missionary, so she traveled around a lot. and Wherever her, missionary, wherever her toothbrush was, that's where her home was. Another sign, uh, similar saying and sign I've seen is, Home is where your mom is. And there's some truth to that. Certainly loved ones will constitute a home. Well, I think the concept of home has to do with some certain qualities. Home is a place where you belong. You're attached to it. So home has a sense of belonging attached to it. Home is where you, you go, It's where you belong. And it's sad when you see someone who has no sense of belonging anywhere. Because every human being has a desire to belong. And you know that. You you know it. You know each human being has that sense of a need to belong because of the feeling you get when you're in a place where you don't belong. Have you ever been in someone's home and they're having an argument and you're like, man, I, I do not belong here. I need to go somewhere else. I'm not comfortable here. So home is a place where you belong, where you feel welcomed. And home also has the sense of security. Home should be a safe place, a shelter, a refuge, a haven. It's a place where you can uh, escape from from danger. It's a place where you can escape from the harsh realities of the world in which we live. It's a place where you can escape from the stress and pressures of life. A place where you can relax, a place where you can feel secure, a place where you can be yourself. Everyone needs a home. I think even the homeless people that we see, there's many out here uh, on the beach in Biloxi, uh, I think even they have a sense of desire to belong. And it's expressed in a completely different way than most people do. But they have that as well. It's a human need that we have Now this psalm begins with a note that says it's a prayer of Moses, the man of God. It's the only psalm uh, attributed to him. There are a couple of other songs that Moses wrote that are uh, recorded for us in the Pentateuch. Uh, But here we have one that's attributed to Moses. And, And interestingly enough, Moses was a man who did not have a traditional home. You think about his life. He didn't have a traditional home, but he found, according to this psalm, his true home. Moses was taken from his mother's home when he was young to live as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh was the very man who was trying to kill him and his fellow Hebrew boys, baby boys. So Moses went to a place to live with the royal folks who actually wanted to kill him. So he didn't belong there, really. And then, of course, when he uh, committed murder, he killed the man who was the Egyptian who was oppressing his fellow Hebrew. He was no longer welcome in Egypt. He, he couldn't call Egypt home anymore. And he fled to Midian. And I'm sure he made a home there as he got married and shepherded in the, in the wilderness there But then God called him out of that. To do what? To to take the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage. And what did they do then? They wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. And just as Moses could see the destination to which he was heading, the promised land, he was forbidden to enter it. So he never had a traditional home, a settled home. Yet in spite of all this, Moses had a home. Look at verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Moses' home, his dwelling place, his habitation, his refuge was not a place. His home was the Lord God. The Lord God was where he got his sense of belonging. The Lord God was where he found his security. It was from the Lord God that he got his comfort and his peace. When you know that the Lord God is your home, nothing can take that away from you. Moses shifted around from Egypt, from the palace to, to the wilderness, and then wandered around in the wilderness. But he had all those things that make for a home because he had the Lord. And look at verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The Lord God is from everlasting to everlasting. That's a long time. Everlasting to everlasting is forever. (laughs) It's eternity. And if your home is God, You have an eternal home. The other day when we were up in Clarksdale, my wife's hometown, we went by the house where she grew up. And it was empty and had been for some time and the house was decaying. It looked terrible. It needed to be painted. It needed to be repaired. You could see the evidence of it all around in the the streets uh, that she uh, used to ride her bike on uh, around in the neighborhood, and and the little river that ran by was was unkempt, and she called this place home from birth all the way to our early years of our marriage, or her parents lived there uh, up until the early years of our marriage. See that earthly home that she had did not last probably knock it down now and no one would miss it it was a no no longer a place where she belonged so we we drove up to the house and she got out and i sat in the car and she walked around and uh, she walked around the back and she took so long she was peeking through the windows and such i began to get worried that somebody had knocked her on the head or something and so i got out of the car and went looking for her See, there was not even a place that you felt secure anymore. This place that she used to call home, a place that she used to to feel secure in, that was her place where she belonged. And that's the way it is with everything this life has to offer in the way of belonging and security. Everything about this world is temporary. I mean, if you have made, if you put everything you have into having a home here, well, it's going to be taken from you. You're going to die. Your home's going to decay. Your body's going to decay. You want security? Your health is going to go bad. One day, sooner or later, it happens to all of us. There's a one-in-one chance that we're going to die unless the Lord comes back first. That's the only option for us. But when the Lord God is your dwelling place, when you belong to him, nothing can take your home, your sense of belonging, your security away. Now when you really think about life, as Moses does here in this psalm, it makes you see the the need we have to find our true home in the Lord. I mean, this is a pretty depressing psalm when you read through the the middle section of it but you don't get a sense of any bitterness uh on moses's part and when you see it as you look through this you see the need to find your true home in the lord now uh, james montgomery boyce uh, in his commentary on this psalm speculates i think for good reason that moses wrote this towards the end of his life after uh, a number of uh, difficulties that he went through his sister miriam died now miriam was a, a major factor in the exodus he was, she wasn't certainly perfect there was a few episodes where where uh, she was quite imperfect but of course moses felt that loss of his sister and his brother aaron died aaron who had been beside him during this whole 38 40 years of being in the desert supporting him not perfectly of course yes but still, he lost it. He lost his brother. And then, of course, the thing that happened when he struck the rock twice and he was forbidden from entering the, the promised land, along with that first generation of people on the Exodus. So you can imagine what Moses was going through <clears throat> the loss of two siblings. You know, he's inside of the promised land that he's been traveling to for almost 40 years. Putting up with all these people complaining and griping, and him standing between them and God, and praying for them, and judging them—not in a bad way that we use today, but being the the arbiter of all their disputes—he he endured all that and and did not get to to go to where they were going. And you can, as you read this, you 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 feel the the, the the pain and the difficulty you know what he's talking about. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. He knew his own mortality, and he had seen his siblings die. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, or as a watch in the night, you sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening, it fades and withers. Some of the things that he sees here is that life is out of control. It's out of it's out of his hands. It's completely in God's hands, and that's true of us as well, isn't it? You just think how little you are actually in control of in your life. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose how you were raised. Uh, you didn't choose where you grew up. Uh, You didn't choose all the influences that you had in your life. You don't choose a lot of the circumstances of your life. You don't choose uh, the health or lack of it that you have. Uh, There's just very little that we actually control, yet we work so hard to try to have a sense of control. If we found our refuge in God, if we found our security in Him and know that He's in control of all things, boy, you can relax, can't you? God's in control of these things, and... And he cares for his people, loves them, and when you put your trust in him, boy, it's just a relaxing uh, feeling that you get, that God is in control. Moses is pointing out that life is out of control, but when God is your dwelling place, when God is your refuge, you don't have to worry about those things. He also points out that life is brief. They're like grass, he says. Humans are like grass. Verse 10, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. They're soon gone and we fly away. I like how Isaac Watts says it in the hymn, Our God, Our Help in Ages Past. He says, Time, like an ever-rolling stream, bears all its sons away. They fly forgotten as a dream dies at the opening day you know i had a crazy dream last night i was i was getting ready for church and because we had traveled i had forgotten all my t-shirts and underwear and i couldn't find them anywhere or and there was none in my house and no one would help me and they kept hindering me and i had my dress shirt on and i was dressed I don't know how I got dressed, but I was just yelling at everybody because I was wanting to get there and and do it. And I know I had other dreams, but they all just disappeared uh, as I woke up. And that's kind of like our life. I mean, he's saying that. Our life is like a dream. We're in the midst of it. We're in the story, and then we wake up and it's over. Jason Isbell, who's a popular singer. He's got a great line in one of his songs. He says, time moves slow when you're 17 and picks up steam at 21. And let me tell you, after 21, it's picking up steam. It starts rolling downhill and it's going faster and faster and faster. I feel like we just did this. We just had a New Year's sermon, didn't we? Just a last week or something. sometime. Yes, this year has flown by and each one keeps Going shorter. Now if you're 17, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you're 71, you do. Or even if you're 31 or 41 or 51, you know what I'm talking about. Our life is short, even when it's long. It goes by very quickly in the grand scheme of things. Teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom, he prays. To understand the brevity of life and to make the right choices because of that. That gives you wisdom when you think about we're not guaranteed another moment, another day. Well, make the important things the important things if you've only got a short time to do it. So life is out of control. Life is brief. And he goes on and says life is full of trouble. Look at verse 10. You know, our lives are seventy. Or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. And he's talking about sin. Sin and the brokenness of world. Sin entered, of course, uh, our world and the Garden of Eden. And because of that, we die. Our, our lifespan is short. And, and in the time we, we wrestle with sin, our brokenness. Not just our physical brokenness, but our spiritual brokenness. We're filled with anxiety and trouble and problems and toil and trouble. But if God is your refuge, you've got eternity. He's from everlasting to everlasting. And you belong to Him and you have security even when there is trouble. Even when there is poor health. Even when there are broken relationships. And he says this this line here, Our years end like a sigh. That's so sad. T.S. Eliot in his famous poem, The Hollow Men, the last line of the poem takes off on this. He says, This is the way the world ends, not with a bang but a whimper. Well, if God is not our refuge, there's not much hope in this out-of-control brief troublesome life but if the lord is our refuge our home then we have nothing to fear we can face the days with joy we can face the days with confidence we can rest in knowing that our heavenly father is in control of everything verses 12 to the end is a is where the prayer kicks in Teach us to number our days, yes, to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. The person who's aware of the brevity of life is wiser than the person who thinks that they'll never die. You know, teenagers are often told that they think they're invincible and bad things happen because of that attitude. They do stupid things sometimes. You know, hey, watch this and, you know, the youtube video is banned after that so teach us to number our days and he cries out to the lord and that's what we should all do return O lord how long have pity on your servants he's crying out for mercy satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil And that will certainly be the case of all those who find their true home in the Lord. They will know everlasting gladness and joy in their lives, even as they live on this earth and on into the new heavens and the new earth. Let your work be shown to your servants, verse 16 says, and your glorious power to their children. Now we live on this side, the New Testament side of Psalm 90. Moses didn't see what we have seen. We have seen God's love demonstrated for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4 says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. Moses wanted to see see his work. We We want to experience your steadfast love. Well, we have. We have seen his work, the greatest manifestation of his love of all time. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. A sacrifice of atonement for our sins. That we might be cleansed. That we might know the favor of the Lord our God. And that our work might be established. It's a wonderful prayer for the new year. It's a wonderful perspective to to have on the New Year's. We think about our lives and the brevity of it and the need for our faith to rest upon the one who is our true home. The need we have of putting all all of our eggs on Christ in his basket. He's He's the demonstration of God's love to us. And because of Christ freely giving us salvation we can belong we belong to God we are his and he is mine we can have security he knows the number of hairs upon our heads and and not one sparrow falls to the ground without his knowledge and he even turns our difficult things into good things Romans 8 Romans eight twenty eight tells us he's our dwelling place our refuge our shelter our security our peace He's everything because of what Christ has done for us. So the prayer has been answered and will be answered in even more concrete ways when Christ returns. And we look forward to that day. What's your true home today? Where is your refuge? Where is your security? To whom do you belong let's pray together Heavenly Father we we need you more than we can even imagine uh, sometimes Lord we're not even aware of our own sinfulness and brokenness and we need to be awakened to the brevity of life and the futility of trying to control things ourselves and and we're so used to living in in the mess of sin and toil and trouble that we don't even recognize that it is sometimes. So Lord, thank you for your word that that gives us a perspective, your perspective on things. And Lord, may we cry out to you, put our trust in you completely and fully, not in our not in our dwelling places, Uh, our earthly dwelling places, not in our bank accounts, not even in our families, Lord, but completely in you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.